listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire Stanley, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at the American Council of the Blind with my fellow co-host. Lark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. So thank you to everyone downloading, listening, streaming, and hopefully subscribing via your favorite podcast player, as well as everyone listening over ACB Radio. As always, you can learn more about ACB at acb.org. And thank you to Sprint T-Mobile for underwriting this podcast and all of our podcasts now until the end of 2020. Which is getting eerily close, Clark. We're we're getting there. (laughs) It's just creeping up, just creeping right along. We, you know, I think most of us are happy that 2020 will soon be in the rearview mirror. It's wild to think that we are uh, well, recording the first week of November. This will air the second week of November, and we're we're pretty much into holiday season, Claire. We are. Well, that's something to look forward to. That's that's good. So, and awesome. kicking kicking things off with a holiday that was always special to me growing up because. Uh, eleven eleven was my dad's birthday. Uh, my dad was also a veteran in the U.S. Air Force and I worked. I didn't his know ent- that. Yeah, my dad. In- my my dad was a, a veteran in the U.S. Navy. So there we go. Okay. Well, yeah, my dad worked his whole career for the federal government, so every year he had his birthday off. That's awesome. That's perfect. Well, that's a perfect uh, leeway into what we're talking about today, because we are talking all about uh, Veterans Day. Um, Great holiday, a very important holiday. Um, And we are fortunate to have two guests today who um, have the background in uh, the military and who can bring really awesome experiences to the blind community and the intersection between those two worlds. Um, So without further ado, we can introduce our first guest today, um, Don Overton from Blinded Veterans. Do you mind introducing yourself, Don? Yeah, so Donald Overton, as as you stated, Claire, I'm currently serving as the executive director for the Blinded Veterans Association. I'm a U.S. Army veteran, served with the 82nd Airborne Division and was blinded during combat operations during the first Gulf War, which would be Desert Shield, Desert Storm back in the early 1990s. So how can you said you were in the military for quite some time? How how many years? I wasn't. I was actually not in as long as I would have liked to have been. I had planned to make it a career. I was just on my second enlistment. And so deployed as part of the advanced party with the 82nd Airborne Division and sustained uh, by uh, uh, bilateral penetrating blast uh, injuries, uh, which after, you know, being medevaced, out of theater, going through all of the reconstructive and rehabilitative processes on the Department of Defense side of the house. I was medically retired and then uh, moved into my uh, role in advocacy after some rehabilitation and some education and training. Oh, wow. What a, what a story to tell. John, can you share with us some background on the Blinded Veterans Association? Sure, happy to. So uh, Blinded Veterans Association, BVA, uh, is celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. So it was a, a commemorative year for us. Uh, it, it was 
originally founded by World War II veterans in old Avon uh, farms in, in Connecticut. Uh, they came together as a group uh, convalescing and realizing that they wanted to find a way to improve their quality of life and offer the camaraderie and companionship during their transitions. Uh, a, a lot of blind and or visually impaired service members first rehabbed over in the United Kingdom. And so we, we still share a very strong relationship with our sister organization, the Blinded Veterans United Kingdom to this day. But so BVA has been uh, 75 years in existence. It is the only congressionally chartered veteran service organization exclusively tasked with advocating for the specific and unique needs of blind and visually impaired veterans. So that's an honor that uh, we're, we're very proud of and we take extremely seriously in the work that we do. And, and so um, that's where we are on a historical perspective. And Don, as someone who was uh, injured while in service and going through rehab, and as you mentioned, transitioning to advocacy, um, how has the work of BVA and those advocates that came before you uh, impacted you personally in your transition? Extremely instrumental for me. So for folks that may be familiar with what the process uh, of transition in military service, as I landed back in the continental United States after medevacking through Longstool, uh, and, and beginning the rehabilitative process and the med board process, the first group of individuals that reached out to me while I was still in Walter Reed, still bandaged, was the Blinded Veterans Association. So they've had a tremendous track record of, of working in conjunction with the Department of Defense to identify service members at point of injury all the way back through the continuum of care to make sure that they're there. And so they played an integral role in not just being there for me, uh, but also for my family, answering questions, helping with the benefits processes uh, that we go through transitioning from active duty to veteran status, uh, programs that were available through the Department of Veterans Affairs specifically for blind and visually impaired veterans. And so they played a critical role right from the beginning of my transition uh, point all the way through as I continued uh, my journey. Uh, first, uh, again, you know, transitioning from active duty to veteran, then helping to encourage me uh, to go on for higher education, uh, being there as support models for me, uh, their peer support programs, uh, which offer uh, activities as well as camaraderie and, and that uh, connectedness uh, throughout. So they, they really and truly were uh, critical in, I think, my successful transition from uh, uh, full sight to being uh, uh, blinded and uh, continued to monitor my status as I uh, began my professional career. And, and they just played a critical role for me throughout that entire transition. So you just talked about all the amazing um, services that you received. Can you talk kind of um, in more detail about the different 
kinds of projects that BVA works on, maybe some of the advocacy work that you guys are doing currently, just be great to kind of get a picture of some of the different projects and work that's that goes on. Absolutely. Thanks, Claire, for that. Yeah. So for us, I, I think really the the backbone of the organization really is our veteran service program uh, uh, prior previously referred to as a field service program. And that's where we have our accredited claims representatives. And those are the individuals accredited, accredited by the Department of Veterans Affairs to represent veterans and their family members uh, through the incredibly complex bureaucratic maze of the Veterans Benefits Administration. Folks that are out there realize that the Department of Veterans Affairs is broken into three sections, uh, Veterans Health Administration for our health care services, the Veterans Benefits Administration that administer the benefits, and then the National Cemetery Administration uh, that handles uh, all of the end-of-life uh, components and, and honoring uh, the service of the veteran community. So that program, all free of charge, all services are free of charge. Uh, we're, we're, we're very happy with the team that we're putting together there. And we've just moved recently into really restructuring that entire program. We've moved towards automation and efficiency models that coincide with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, the, we, we try to uh, employ blind veterans within that program so that we, we are living up to, you know, one of our models of blinded veterans helping blinded veterans and our uh, national service director, Jim Vale, is an individual I've known in the advocacy arena for several decades now, and Jim has run the uh, service program with the American Legion, Vietnam Veterans of America, and so we're very fortunate to have him. Uh, Jim, similar to uh, each of you, has his uh, JD, uh, as well as four additional master's degrees. So Jim really has worked hard uh, on his professional development, and he's a true asset to the organization and to me personally. So we're building that program now uh, to partner with the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, in building a new ambassador program to make sure that we have subject matter experts at each of the 13 VA blind rehabilitation centers. And eventually we'll expand that program out to the visor or the outpatient uh, clinics within the VA to make sure that any veteran that's receiving care and treatment within the VA continuum of care has a subject matter expert there that can help navigate, again, the complexities of, of the benefits program. Uh, sticking on the advocacy side, we have a, a, a strong government relations team. When I joined BVA uh, a little over a year ago now, I came in as the director of government relations. Um, our advocacy efforts over the past year, even in dealing with the pandemic and a very difficult 116th Congress, we were extremely successful in, in driving several of our legislative initiatives. I won't get into the uh, details of those now. We can touch on them after, but we did find tremendous success. And again, that's another initiative where, you know, we're, we're, we're regularly engaged with various agencies as well as the Hill and, and, and the administration uh, and making sure that we're advocating for the needs 
everything that we advocate for originates with our membership and convention assembled. So it all begins as resolutions from the floor and we begin to then craft and hone our legislative priorities for uh, each subsequent year and, and picking up the pieces on those. And, and so there's a lot there. And again, we can, we can unwrap some of that as we go through with this, but uh, I, I'm also happy to say that we are bringing another blinded veteran onto the team. Uh, <laughs> one of our operation peer support uh, OEF, OIF operation enduring freedom operation, Iraqi freedom veterans. He too is just finishing up his law school degree. We have been working with him uh, throughout this process and uh, he'll be coming and joining us to do uh, some of his final work for his program. Um, you guys would know better than me. It's not an internship. I guess it's an, uh, it's an externship. An externship. Mm -hmm. thank, thank you very much, Claire. I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure I was using the right terminology there. So uh, Russ will be joining us probably in the latter part of January, early February for that process. And then thanks to a program with the Department of Veterans Affairs under their vocational rehabilitation and education, they'll begin to help offset some of Russ's salary, which of course is always important for a nonprofit uh, as we try to be good stewards of those donor dollars and, and try to cut those administrative costs. But it, it's empowering another blinded veteran. And, and again, you know, we look to mentor Russ forward as part of the future leadership team of the organization. So government relations is critical for us and, and you know, a big program for us that I uh, briefly touched on before that most of us from uh, the first Gulf War when I served through the current conflicts was the Operation Peer Support Program. And, and that's really our, you know, where the rubber meets the road program of empowerment. Uh, that's where we uh, really have that camaraderie and ability to engage veterans in all kinds of life challenging activities. So whether it's mountaineering and getting out and, and summiting some of the world's, you know, tallest peaks or whitewater kayaking or fly fishing, sailing, skiing, snowboarding. Uh, these are the opportunities where we really get out and engage individuals. We're able to partner with other amazing organizations across the country and internationally. Uh, part of our operation Peer support program is another uh, component called Project Gemini, uh, again, where we partner with our sister organization, Blinded Veterans United Kingdom. So each year we bring a contingent of U.S. service members over to the United Kingdom for a week of engagement and activities and camaraderie and, and learning you know, how they operate their centers, uh, their blind centers and their programs over there, as well as the cultural uh, immersion opportunities and vice versa. We bring uh, a contingent of blind veteran United Kingdom soldiers over to the U.S. for a week. Uh, so, again, we begin to build those international bonds uh, that, that really drive part of the healing process, the recovery, the integration, and then ultimately what we all hope for, I think, is that we're building future advocates to make sure that all the hard work that our organization does, the hard work that your organization does, that, that we're helping to really 
mentor the next generation of individuals to step in behind us and, and carry the mantle and the mission forward for all of us. So uh, aside from that, you know, we, we do have an auxiliary that supports the initiatives. We, we offer scholarship programs for uh, family members of, of blinded veterans, and uh, there, there's several other offshoots. You know, we try to touch through the committee aspects on everything from, you know, guide dog groups, uh, pretty much across any sector that we're dealing with in, in the blind and low vision. You know, Claire, you're intimately involved with transportation. We have groups that, you know, look at the transportation aspects. And so we drive the majority of those initiatives from the committee level. Uh, I, I think that that's a pretty good uh, overview. And, and the last thing I guess I'd share is, uh, BVA has been very proud of their publication, uh, which is the bulletin that they make available in both print as well as all adaptive formats. That's the, our newsletter uh, that that we push out on a regular basis, and it really kind of I think sets a good engagement opportunity for the membership as well as the stakeholder community that supports the organization. So aside from that, not a whole lot going on at BVA, it sounds like, Don. <laughs> not at all, wow. and I'm not going to get into, you know, as I shared with you briefly, you know, the, the, the transition of the field service. That's really the organization as a whole, uh, Clark. For us, you know, I stepped into an organization, again, 75 years deep in history, unfortunately, also uh, deep in uh, working through some antiquated processes. So automating the organization, driving some efficiency models, really embracing technology and, and looking for opportunities to bring more and more of the blinded community back home, back into the workforce. And so we, we do have a lot of pieces that are moving. And, uh, you know, one of the other pieces that I'll share because it really is becoming critical for us moving into the next legislative session and our advocacy work is that recently the Department of Veterans Affairs transitioned their blind rehabilitation service program, uh, which exclusively had provided services across the enterprise only for blind or significantly or, or legally blind. So severely low vision veterans. And, and those numbers totaled somewhere around 130 to 150,000 individuals. Uh, a little over a month ago, that model shifted. And now they've come to the realization that they also need to begin providing services to the low vision veteran community. And as you're all too well aware, you know, as we look at the life cycle for individuals, as they begin to experience issues around vision and whether it's disease state driven or uh, part of the aging process, most folks that begin to experience these conditions are going to uh, continue to deteriorate, unfortunately. And so we're seeing the numbers swell in that um, we realize that there's 1.4 million veterans in the VA system of care that classify as potential low vision. So that's going to be driving a lot for BVA over the next year. It means in convention next year, 
we have to look at a major bylaw revision and, and the acceptance and, and inclusion of that low vision veteran component, which could be a significant swell in our member numbers, as well as transitioning our advocacy as well. So, And Don, some of the things you mentioned previously, I'd like to circle back to the peer support, um, as well as the, the programs from the VA. How has the pandemic this year impacted your ability to provide peer support or these um, your rehabilitation opportunities you mentioned, like mountaineering, uh, river rafting, as well as the collaborative efforts with BVA UK? Um, and then more in general, how has the pandemic impacted the ability of your members to receive services from the VA? Yeah, and, and, and it's been obviously interesting for all of us as we've gone through this transition. Uh, for us, initially, it was a cancellation of a, a major fundraising event for the organization back in the March timeframe, which then transitioned into a cancellation of our national convention. And again, understanding that as a veteran service organization, everything drives through our convention processes. And so our bylaws, again, were antiquated and they didn't uh, allow for the opportunity to transition virtual as far as the business of the organization was concerned. So with the cancellation of convention, you know, we transitioned over into virtual conference models and we did what some of our sister veteran service organizations did which was basically just suspend the organization, suspend the officers in place, things along those lines and, and operate really going forward as if the year didn't happen uh, as, as far as the business uh, of the organization was concerned. And that involves, you know, delegates and elections and things like that. So we suspended those processes. We shifted forward. Um, uh, next thing that we dealt with um, was the closing of the VA blind rehabilitation centers. Again, 13 inpatient residential centers that the VA administers. And so when they closed and, and moved veterans out, we all began to kind of circle the wagons to make a determination on what exactly were we going to do. Uh, I think, unfortunately, uh, most folks out there are all too familiar with the unfortunate level of suicide amongst the veteran population that is a situation that we deal with with the blind veteran population as well, obviously due to isolation and, and other types of concerns around that. So we moved rather quickly in engaging and partnering and looking at, you know, really wellness checks, buddy checks, as a lot of the folks in the military will refer to them. And so making sure the levels of engagement were there. Our Operation Peer Support Committee played an integral role in making sure that all the individuals uh, within that program were being engaged. There were some unique opportunities, even during COVID, just to touch on that, you know, with social distancing and, and some of the other aspects, folks that were able to travel, uh, they were able to provide their own travel and, and get to areas. There were some activities that still went on. There was some kayaking events. Uh, there, there were some outdoor events that continued uh, 
to operate with some of our programs. But for the most part, we suspended everything. We suspended our Appalachian trail hikes. We suspended pretty much everything that we were doing. Project Gemini shut down uh, for the exchange. Uh, so across the board, not having the ability to come together and convention assembled, not just from business perspectives, but from, you know, the, the, the uh, camaraderie and, and ability to just connect with one another uh, had significant impacts. And then just from an organizational perspective, the challenges that were involved, not just managing the national side, but the organization is comprised of regional groups and chapters across the country. And so adapting their business models and, and making sure that they were in compliance with whether they were state mandated requirements or requirements of national to be a, uh, a regional group or a chapter in good standing. Uh, we support our groups through apportionments of life membership funds and things along those lines. So there was a lot of moving and transitioning to make sure that we were supporting as best possible. Uh, but there, there were definitely tremendous challenges involved. Uh, and so Technology played a critical role. We all, we all you know, embraced uh, various platforms, whether it be Zoom or, or GoToMeeting or Teams, and, and we found ways to utilize that technology to have that connectivity uh, with our folks. And, and we're very fortunate, again, to have the partnership with VA because, you know, before we even attempted to have our first virtual conference, we were able to bring, you know, representatives for the computer and assistive technologies programs of blind rehabilitation in to put together manuals and user guides for blind and low vision individuals with these platforms and then do 101 classes on the platforms themselves. So we were very, very fortunate to have those subject matter experts there helping to familiarize individuals, get them comfortable in the platforms, and then go forward with those levels of engagement. So albeit unique, uh, I think we've done a good job of, of transitioning through, and we are currently being tasked by our national president to join forces with uh, other sister organizations in really enhancing these buddy check approaches going forward. Uh, our Community has fully embraced, you know, VA, the Department of Veterans Affairs, did a phenomenal job of transitioning all of their uh, blind rehab uh, staff members into uh, remote uh, coaches. And, and, and these folks put together everything from virtual uh, wellness programs to, you know, nutrition programs. So there are, our folks are getting in and, and either participating in trivia daily or, or cooking classes or technology classes. And so it's really been a wonderful opportunity, I think, to maintain that connectivity and, and, and make sure that folks have some opportunities and that their needs are being met. That's so great. I'm glad to hear that even in the midst of COVID, um, things can still go on. Uh, well, thank you so much. This has been so, um, so fascinating. And I know I've learned a lot. Just in closing, if our if any members out there who are veterans themselves or even people who aren't members who are just hearing this, who are blinded veterans, how can, uh, how can people get involved in a local chapter or at a nation, nation nationals uh, level? 
Yeah, the easiest thing, Claire, is for them to reach out to us. Our website is going undergoing a comprehensive overhaul, but bva.org, bravovictoralpha.org. Uh, you can connect with us through that platform. All of our contact information is on there. So feel free to reach out, whether you access us via phone, via email, uh, whatever works best for individuals, and we'll be happy to help guide and connect them accordingly. Great. And if anybody has any issues with that website, feel free to reach out to Clark and myself and we can connect you to BVA as well. So thank you so much. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for taking some time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to speak with us. Uh, thank each of you for your continued advocacy and partnership. We always enjoy working alongside you and appreciate all that you all are doing. So thank you. And Don, again, thank you for your service. Happy Veterans Day. And to our listeners, please stay tuned and we will be right back with our next guest. So welcome back, everybody. We're now here with our second guest today, um, one of our very own ACB members. So um, I won't do a long to do. We'll just jump right in. Um, Tyson, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Who are you and what role do you play in ACB? I know you wear many hats, but. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, Clark. And thank you, Claire, for inviting me uh, to speak on the podcast. It's my honor to do so. And uh, so my name is Tyson Ernst, and I am currently from Springfield, Illinois, and but not, orig- not orig- originally. I'm from Southern California. Woohoo! Yep, I'm telling you, give up the SoCal love. That's um, right. <laughs> and I, I was there for quite a number of years until I moved here three years ago. Uh, I am the current acting president of VIVA, which stands for the Visually Impaired Veterans of America, and we are the veteran affiliate of ACB. Is that how you guys pronounce it, VIVA? Yes. Gotcha. Cool. Viva, or some people say Viva. Um, I, I, I think I just go with whatever happens to roll off my tongue at that moment. <laughs> um, so what is Viva? You obviously just said the name, but what, what's that all about? Okay, so, uh, you know, we have many in ACB, there are many special interest affiliates, and, you know, they, they deal with specific issues. Uh, you have, you know, the library users, and you have diabetics, and you have uh, citizens, uh, the Citizens Council on Low Vision International. And so they all deal with very specific niche kind of um, populations. And our specific niche is veterans. Um, we are made up of um, veterans from all branches of the military, uh, as well as supporters of mm-hmm. those who support the the mission of veterans and the causes of veterans. Mm-hmm. And Tyson, you are a veteran yourself? I am. I served in the United States Army uh, from 1987 to 1990, and uh, at which point I, I left the military uh, during the first, uh, during uh, President Bush's uh, drawdown in 1990, which happened just prior to the first Gulf War. I have to say, Tyson, you do not sound old enough to have been in the military back in the late 80s. Oh, flatter will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And the membership of Viva, uh, I guess, to start, is your vision loss service related? 
No, not necessarily. Because an interesting thing that, that most people, um, so there's a, there is a difference between what's known as service connection and non-service connection. Mm-hmm. So service connection is that, you know, something may have happened during your time in the military, either due to, um, you know, an accident, something more traumatic or something more, um, more hidden as opposed to like a chemical exposure or something that may cause a long-term effect. Uh, for example, um, some of the things, and this doesn't necessarily need to lead to a vision loss, but Agent Orange during Vietnam led to many health effects mm-hmm. decades down the line. And there are things that have done that. Uh, in my instance, uh, there are uh, my my vision losses due to multiple sclerosis, which saw its genesis during service. And I'm currently working on getting my vision loss service connected. Um, but most of the, most of the things we have as far as vision loss are, are generally due to age related. So we have a lot of, um, a lot in common with, uh, with both CCLVI and uh, AAVL hmm. because we, we do have most of our population is age is, is of age um, later in life. Um, and uh, you get we get things Mac degeneration, we get RP things like that, which come along later in life. So we have a, our our average age of our members tend to be tend to be in their sixties to seventies, if not above. Um, and we are probably if we have one unique quality to us aside from the fact that we're veterans, is every member of our board at one time had twenty twenty or correctable to twenty twenty vision. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Because in order to have, in order to serve, you have to have that makes 20, sense. Twenty or correct. I didn't even think about that, but that makes total sense. Yeah. Huh. So that yeah, that's that's a uniqueness to 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 Viva that um, aside from other ones, uh, to be a member of of our board, we have um, we have of course our executive direct our executive board, and everyone in that has to be a veteran. Okay. Um, uh, but we do have uh, five board of director seats, and. Um, of those, the majority have to be visually have to be visually impaired and veterans, uh, and the others can be just they could be um, supporters of. Um, we have somebody who is a we have somebody uh, currently in an acting spot, as well, uh, who was a V uh, VIS coordinator. Hmm. So, and what uh, does that stand for, Tyson? Uh, okay, so yeah, so let's let's kind of delve into that side of life. Where so as part of that. Um, being a veteran, we are, and, and being visually impaired, we are very well taken care of by the VA. Uh, if there are any veterans listening um, and you are not receiving services from the VA, you really should consider contacting your local VA hospital and getting signed up because it doesn't matter if your service connected or not, you're, um, you get training, uh, and that training is the entire gambit of uh, rehabilitative, visual rehabilitative training. Um, but VIST stands for Visually Impaired Service Team. And, and uh, what they do is there's a coordinator and there's multiple arms to that. Um, and they, they go through and they, they are your link to the VA, so to speak. They are an independent, or, or not an independent, but a separate uh, division within, within the VA. Uh, each VA hospital and region has one. Uh, and they're responsible for coordinating all your care um, that has to do. There are approximately 17 what are known as blind rehab centers through the VA, 
throughout the country. Mm -hmm. Um, I've attended three of them. I've attended the, my favorite is the one in Long Beach. Uh, Loved that one at at the VA hospital in Long Beach. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. one in Tucson, which is part of the Southwestern. And I've attended the one in Chicago, uh, which is, which is the first VA blind rehab center. And they provide all training that you would think of in any type of a rehab, a rehabilitation center. So you learn O&M, you learn living skills, you learn um, visual, visual skills, uh, depending on how much vision you have left. They teach you how to use it. You learn computer skills and they issue you all of the equipment you need. Um, so any, anything that is deemed necessary to your, to your livelihood, um, whether you are seeking work or not, uh, is provided to you. So, you know, I things like CCTVs and computers and um, I've gotten cooking equipment from them. Um, any, anything you can think of uh, training with that, with that type of equipment as well. So you train with it and you go home with it. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, it really is. It really is a fabulous program. Uh, and the instructors are top notch. Uh, some are visually impaired themselves. Others aren't. So you talked a lot about these great services, and it's really encouraging to hear that the VA provides these services. Are these these programs anything that Viva can ever help members of ACB or people who are, you know, kind of new to the visually impaired world? Are you guys ever able to kind of help advocate for those services? Well, we do. As a member member of ACB and just as a a blind individual in general, we we definitely advocate for the inclusion of services – to any population. And again, given that our core population is those who are, who are later in life and may not be eligible for, you know, state programs because of that, uh, especially mm-hmm. since they took yeah. out the homemaker clause. Yeah. Uh, we are definitely um, on board with advocating for that particular thing because we understand it. Um, mainly our, our main our, obviously, our main goals in advocating are for those which are veteran-related, um, mm-hmm. things that relate to, to the VA, uh, things that relate to veterans' causes, such as honor flights. Um, there is a program, and forgive me for not knowing, not remembering the name of it, but um, if you are a veteran uh, and if you are active-duty military, you can enter standby mode, and if somebody doesn't show up for a flight and you need that flight, they will put you in first come first serve. Hmm. Uh, and that, that goes mostly right now for, um, for active military to get you to and from where you need to be, whether, whether that's going you know back home on leave or if it's going back from leave to your duty station, you can request that uh, in emergency st- or, you know, in, in, in standby mode. And recently um, the late Senator John McCain was a massive mm-hmm. advocate for getting that expanded to veterans. Uh, mm-hmm. It would, they would come as, as a uh, just after active military. Uh, and I believe if I'm correct uh, that that was included or is at least sitting in some committee right now. So you talked about the advocacy work that you guys are involved in or can do. What other kind of activities does Viva do these days? You guys, I'm assuming you have, uh, you know, regular meetings or what kind of things can people um, participate in? Currently right now we don't. And the reason for that is um, the affiliate kind of went into a, um, a stand down mode. Um, when I came into it, it was, 
um, uh, almost coming into an inactive type mm -hmm. of a, a pattern. Um, the uh, as happens with the with um, with certain affiliates, the the leadership of it um, had quite do again because of our population. The president had passed away, and they had lost several other board members, and. Um, then some, some decided to step down, um, due to health relation, you know, or health related matters. And so the board kind of went inactive and, and, um, and when I called up and I spoke to it, we had talked about, I had talked with David Dowland, who was the one kind of sole board member who was keeping it going, uh, as an affiliate. And he said, well, you know, if you're interested, I said, of course. And then a whole bunch of stuff became, uh, had happened in my life that I kind of had to step down or back from, from just things to deal with. And during the community calls that, that popped back up in March, uh, I was in touch with Cindy Hollis and she said, I have something for you. I said, you know, asked her, what is that? And she says, would you be willing to take on the, the, the veterans affiliate? I said, I said, I've already been talking with David about that a lot, you know, a while back. And, so that kind of reprompted that and my life had cleared back up. So I recontacted David and said, what do we need to do? Uh, going through Cindy, I kind of got some direction on what we had to do in order to kind of instill a board. And uh, so I gathered up uh, a couple other people to get a core group. And we, I sent out a, an email message, just some calls to everybody that was currently signed up with Viva at that point and said, we're having a meeting via Zoom. This is how you connect. This is how you can contact. And what we're going to do is we're going to install an acting board so that we can do business. Um, and so we did that and they, they, um, uh, they installed me as the acting president. Eugene Batsky is the current vice president uh, from Florida. Keith Helsley from Illinois here is the acting uh, secretary. And David Dallin is the actual treasurer of the group. Uh, and we have Margie Donovan, who is uh, uh, serving on the board. So we, we still have several slots, but we're in a big rebuilding phase. Um, the affiliate uh, roles dropped dramatically. Um, we're trying to get back on, trying to kind of move into a more, uh, modern, uh, trying to become more involved with the zoom platform. Um, currently right now, uh, we only have the only way to join the affiliate is through, um, to have the application emailed to you or sent to you and then fill it out, return it along with a check. So we're trying to make that, um, that process more streamlined, more electronic, uh, is some of the things that we're that we're dealing with right now, how to reach out more to members, uh, several that that we've we've all kind of taken a, a little hand in in talking to people and talking to other vets. Uh, we're going to begin a big recruitment drive here soon um, with the upcoming new year uh, and the new um, what's the term I'm looking for the new uh, financial year um, with the affiliate. Yeah. And so, so we can report some, some more, some, some additions to ACB come, come the March deadline. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're really in this rebuilding phase, trying to kind of figure out how we can reach out to people. Um, I know some things I've discussed with the board and I've discussed with members that I've talked to is redesigning a newsletter to get out to them, um, getting it out in large print uh, and in Braille 
as well as uh, some other telephonic type contacts, emails, obviously to those. Um, they all have access to training through through the VA, uh, so they can learn Braille and they can get their computer skills to check email. Matter of fact, that's probably one of the most sought after kind of reasons for computer training is so that they can they can check their email and communicate mm-hmm. with family and share photos again because they're a lot of them have quite a bit of usable vision they can see their their grandchildren and their spouses and their children and family members and friends and and they learn to to connect via email so if we can if we can help facilitate that along then i'm always 100 percent behind it and Tyson, you mentioned receiving these services from the VIST coordinators and the VA hospitals, which leads me to ask how accessible for visually impaired veterans is healthcare through the VA system? In terms of electronic access, it is getting better and it's making some improvements. Um, The VA health uh, online type of thing was inaccessible for a long time, but it has gotten far superior. Uh, You can now check your health records. You can check things like labs. You can set up appointments with specialists, primary care, um, that the, probably the one thing, and it's, it's the, I want to say it's probably the vexing of the entire visually impaired community is kiosks. Uh, when I walk into my local VA clinic, which is, which houses my lab and and my primary care and a couple other small specialties, um, they, uh, they have a kiosk there and I have to slide my VA ID card through it and it's touchscreen and it's not spoken at all. So I usually have to have somebody do it. They have since, because of, of uh, pandemic restrictions, they've taken that kiosk out, and now I walk up. Uh, matter of fact, I had a VA appointment yesterday in my, in my own clinic for audiology, and I walked in. They saw me walk in because I'm in there enough that, that I walk up, and, and they said, oh, yeah, we already got you checked in. <laughs> so, and yeah, they're, they're, that clinic's amazing as far as that goes. Um, and, and it's not just uh, the services they provide for veterans. Uh, visually impaired or not is not just is not just the physical side, but it's also mental. Um, mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of uh, really good um, mental things dealing with things like PTSD and stuff like that. There are specialty um, psychologists who deal with combat PTSD. Mm-hmm. So there's again, there's just a lot of resources there. So again, any any veteran uh, who is listening to this, and I'm going to be outreaching again, to all the state affiliates and the special interest affiliates that if you have veterans, please um, get this information out to them to join up uh, and, and uh, become a part. Because again, we individually, we can do things, but together we can do more. Mm. Yeah. And Tyson, this podcast is airing on November 12th, the day after Veterans Day. And we're actually recording on November 3rd. A uh, very important day in our democracy, Election Day. Uh, but seeing how this is airing the day after Veterans Day, is there anything you would like to share about what this holiday means to you, or what uh, you would hope folks keep in their their mind or their heart as we celebrate Veterans Day? 
That is a fabulous question. Um, so I will say, being is that this is airing on the 12th, that uh, last night we held a call on the 11th on Veterans Day, mm-hmm. and the call is called Thank You for Your Service. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being sponsored by by Viva, and we're going to, I'm in, uh, hopefully, <laughs> it's funny talking in the past tense for the future, <laughs> um, but I am currently working as we're speaking on getting uh, three people for, from blind rehab centers mm-hmm. to speak about um, the services that they're, that they're doing, what they're currently working on, because they're also evolving their services as we, as, as we speak, and, um, and um, how they're dealing with, with uh, working with vets remotely and adapting but the second hour is going to be devoted towards anyone who wishes to call in and speak about their veteran mm-hmm. um it can be a veteran himself or herself who wishes to speak about their time in service and what that meant to them but it can also be about family members or friends sharing about their their friend or family member who was a veteran and what and and uh what they went through or um you know how how their service impacted them so, so let me speak to that then uh, in direct relation to your question. So when, uh, you know, we go through different evolutions in our life when things don't mean as much as they used to or, or as much as they, they you know, they, they do now rather. Um, so when I was young and when I was young and I like to say when I was young and immortal, um, the, being a veteran was just a part of, you know, it was just a, a, a title I had. I really didn't understand what it meant. Um, and as I got older, I kind of learned that, you know, there was, there was some, some things to it. Um, there are benefits to being a veteran. Um, but as I really kind of grew into the, in, into the, as I got into my, my forties and stuff like that, and you get into that time when you stop to kind of really reflect on things where you, you sit down and do your deep thinking in life. Uh, and you realize that, that um, what I did shaped me in ways I didn't know it shaped me. Mm. Um, and it, it solidified views on things uh, that that um, that I didn't realize I held. Uh, it it uh, molded certain behaviors. It uh, it guided me. It gave me tools to guide me through times when things were more difficult. So the discipline and the structure, um, the learning to to work with leaders. Um, the learning to do your specific job and not worry about other people's jobs um, to look at what a team is and how to rely on people uh, and at times how to be independent um, probably that those lessons are what served me best when I lost my sight is I you know and and one could argue whether it was whether it was the correct thing to do or not, but I kind of didn't take time to really grieve or to to deal with psychologically vision loss as opposed to I was working last week. I held a job last week and I have rent due. I have a wife. I have two children that I have to support and I need to support them. I need to, they are my first priority. So you tuck everything else away and you focus on the mission. And that that allowed me to do that, um, and then to and then to pull that back out and and go later. It it taught me the um, the strength in advocating for your position. Uh, so when I uh, when I later on went to university and I kind of reshaped myself into into uh, my degree work 
and later on into becoming, uh, getting into computer ad, uh, computer access training. Uh, again, those things were like focus on the mission. This is what I need to accomplish. This is the goal. So being a veteran to me in, in rounding that back up and circling around is that um, I was proud to serve and step up and say uh, that I'm willing to to give of myself for a bigger cause, that I can serve something that has larger ramifications that even I'm aware of at the time. Uh, because again, I went in, actually celebrated my 18th birthday in basic training. Okay. So I, I did all that time until I was, until I was 21. And, uh, and I left and I, and I went about my life, not realizing that at that young age, because I, I'm pretty sure we can all attest to that. And in 17, 18, I, we have no idea what it's going to be like later mm-hmm. on. We think we do, but we don't. Um, and you kind of go in there wide-eyed, and and it was my first big exposure to the world at large. Um, my first time really venturing outside of my own little community, um, even though I you know spent a lot of time in LA, which is a huge mixture of uh, it's a melting pot of all kinds of things and and that. But really, you know, meeting people from um, from other areas of the country and even the world, and being exposed to those things. Um, which really opened me up to kind of, again, shaping that view of, of people and how to get along with people and, and uh, how to learn to work together. And just um, later, again, later, later in life now at where I'm at now, it gets me to, to meeting all the people that I'm meeting now in the work that I'm doing both as, as, uh, as a computer and then the work I'm doing with, with uh, ACB radio and the affiliate conventions where I get to meet all these amazing people and really kind of take joy and and in 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 the ways that they can they can help with everything mm-hmm. so seeing the value i think that's probably the biggest takeaway is just seeing the value in people thank you for sharing that tyson uh, and thank you for the work that you're doing to help re-energize the viva affiliate and if folks are listening who may be visually impaired veterans themselves or general supporters of the affiliate, if they would like to become more involved or learn more, uh, where should they go? Who should they contact? What should they do? So uh, currently the way we have of contacting, if you would send an email to veterans of ACB uh, at veterans of com, and that will get an email to us. Uh, we're going to be uh, reviving the different lists. Uh, I'm going to be working to get um, more updated contact information on the ACB site. Uh, obviously, uh, you can contact the national office and to these two fine people, Claire and Clark, and they can direct you to to uh, to me and uh, to the affiliate. And I will be in contact with you uh, to talk about what you can do. Um, we're going to be holding. Um, more type of of uh, community type events uh, on at least a quarterly basis. So keep an eye out for those. And uh, currently we don't have, but again, we'll be having phone contact information and and uh, a greater presence here soon while we're in this rebuilding. 
Well, thank you so much for your work in revitalizing the affiliate. I think it's going to be really uh, impactful for, for ACB as a whole. So we greatly appreciate all the work you're doing for our affiliate and even more so. Thank you so much for the serv- your service to our country. Uh, thank you so much for, for inviting me to speak to this. And um, I have a little saying that, that, I, that I always tell, tell my, um, my, my executive board. I'm like, the goals may change, but the mission never ends. Mm. How true is that, Claire? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys are welcome to steal that. <laughs> may have to. Yeah. <laughs> so Tyson, again, thank you so much. And for those listening, please stay put. And Claire and I will be right back. Great. Well, we are back to close out the show, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, learning from our two guests. I know I really enjoyed that and learned a lot from them. So thank you again to uh, Don and to Tyson for sharing your stories with us and your expertise. And one quick correction, the email address to get in touch with Viva, uh, given by Tyson Ernst, that is veterans of ACB at gmail.com. Again, veterans of ACB at gmail.com. And if you have any issues with that, feel free to reach out to Clark or myself and we can make sure you get that as well. So Claire, you mentioned uh, with great takeaways that you had from this podcast, what were some of your takeaways from this podcast? Well, it was really cool to learn about from Don uh, Overton to learn about the different programs that BBA does uh, has done and is doing. Uh, I, we work with them on a lot of things, but just to hear the vast number of things they do was really great. Um, I have so much respect for our servicemen and to hear the, the programs and the services they have for the vets, um, and specifically the blinded vets is pretty cool. So I agree with you. And looking at the BVA website, which is bva.org, uh, one of the first testimonials that I see is blinded vets helping blinded vets. Uh, so just a great example of the peer support services mm-hmm. that they offer. Uh, in addition to the advocacy work that they do, they certainly are a, a great ally for the veterans within ACB, as well as uh, blinded and disabled veterans as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I also really um, enjoyed hearing from Tyson, our very own member of ACB. Um, it was great to hear about his firsthand experience with the VA and getting things like assistive technology and kind of maneuvering through the system. Um, I hope that's kind of a encouragement to people who might be listening who are are now or will one day or have worked through the VA system to know that we have our very own inside expert who, you know, can pass on his wisdom and to know that, you know, you can, can get through the system. So, And something that I will have to keep in mind, Claire, is, as we are advocating and working with our special interest affiliates, just the overlap and similarities between the vision loss issues faced by our veterans and the Viva affiliate and, and how that aligns with the Alliance of Aging and Vision Loss, AAVL, and the Council of Citizens Low Vision uh, International, CCLVI. Uh, just pretty interesting, just the, the overlap there, the commonalities and the issues that they faced and the issues of advocacy interests. Most definitely. 
Um, so just to close again, I really want to thank our two guests and just want to thank all of our service men and women. Thank you so much. And, uh, I hope everybody has a, a beautiful and wonderful Veterans Day. Claire, I couldn't say it any better. I think, like you said, Veterans Day is a time for celebration, a time to uh, commemorate those who have served our nation. Um, yeah, those who have come before us, those who are currently serving and will in the future. So yeah, exactly. Thank you all. And if folks do have any advocacy issues, please feel free to reach out to Claire and me. At <laughs> I saw that pause there. <laughs> advocacy at acv.org. Awesome. Well, Clark, what do we always end with our show? Well, happy Veterans Day. I like it. <laughs> keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.